Hello and welcome to another episode of Fintech Focus TV with me, Toby Babb. Today we are live in studio for the first time in two years and I couldn't be more excited about that and I'm delighted to introduce you all to Adam Eiley from Kaplan. Adam, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Listen, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for coming in. Uh, loads to unpack. I'm excited to, uh, to, to welcome you onto the show. We've spoken to Kaplan before but there's so much cool stuff to have on that we're talking to you about right now. Tell us a little bit about yourself first and foremost and Kaplan. Well, I'm Adam Eiley, uh, Director of Engineering at Kaplan. I suppose years ago I, I graduated, I went to work for IBM, doing messaging, all that kind of stuff. I then went off to uh, Switzerland to do some biotech work, which was really interesting. And then I came back to London and I was looking for a, a place to work before my Masters in Visualization in uh, Virtual Environments. Okay. Uh, so it was kind of VR, AR, I was really into it. I thought I'd, I'll do a Masters in this. I was just looking for a place to keep me, tied me over for a couple of months uh, until that started. And I interviewed at Kaplan and I thought, wow, these guys are doing something. This was, this was probably 2006. These guys are doing stuff that I haven't really seen elsewhere. And so I was really excited, really interested. And started working there as a software engineer. Later on, I sort of became a team lead, was focusing on innovation and training, that kind of stuff. Um, and then after a while, I, I moved on. I went to, to work for a startup, Improbable Worlds, uh, and then Deutsche Bank. Mm. And, but since then, I've come back. I've come back as director of engineering. Um, the homecoming. It, it has been a bit <laughs> like that, yeah. And actually, it's quite interesting, a lot of people at Kaplan do come back and I think that is a strong recommendation for, for the kind of culture that we have. Yeah, yeah. People remember it when in their careers they go elsewhere, they remember it as a place where you know they got to do interesting work, they got to work with interesting people um, and I think yeah it, it calls people back. Yeah yeah well listen, I, love, I love hearing that as well and, and uh, I saw that on your bio about the, uh, the great return. I'd love to see that and, and see the development of it. Kaplan itself has been doing some really cool stuff. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing over there. So I guess it all stems way, way back in the, in the early days of streaming and uh, distribution of financial data. So that's kind of where it starts. But then on top of that, we built all kinds of things, um, particularly in FX, but in other areas as well, in other asset classes, um, sometimes you know, even in slightly, slightly odd and obscure asset classes like second-hand cars or these kinds of okay. things but primarily you know large financial organizations uh, get us to help them with their with creating training systems that go through the web usually yeah. but we're also uh, you know these days mobile is incredibly important as well so you know we're there too we've got um, a client in Asia with that's cross-asset on a mobile phone app uh, retail users uh, hundreds of thousands of, of retail users, these kinds of things, we're doing that too. There's so much uh, interesting things, that, particularly over the last couple of years where things have developed so much around the space, where we're seeing new asset classes, as you say, and, 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 and new opportunities and different demands from customers mm -hmm. that, are, that are coming in there. And more complex environments as well, right? So as we're seeing all of those different things come through, you guys, you know, from, from what I've seen and been observing over the last couple of years, have adapted with that as well. Talk to us about some of the areas where you've seen innovation and opportunity over those last couple of years? I mean, innovation is, uh, 
is a huge area and it's it's very interesting to me so i suppose one of the things that we see a lot of innovation in uh, particularly working in web and the front end is just the ecosystem is changing the whole time yeah that's actually caused us various problems because like i say in 2006 kaplan was doing stuff that nobody else was doing and gradually over time there have been tools and the ecosystem has grown um, and so we've had to start understanding that that we can't invent everything yeah. well we can invent everything but it no longer makes sense for us to think of ourselves as as you know a hundred percent the whole world we have to take the best ideas from outside yeah. Um, so yeah lots of innovation around um, design systems uh, UI toolkits these kinds of things and you know our customers are all interested in this stuff too they, they have their own ideas about how they want uh, things to fit together and we have to accommodate that that customer listening is really interesting as well isn't it and, and uh, within that UI space there are challenges with building UIs in, in, in mm. yeah, particularly in siloed organizations I know that's something that's come up a lot in, in your world before tell us a little bit about that yeah definitely so I suppose if I think I think back to working in large organizations they often feel a lot more like a number of small companies and sometimes those companies are competing with each other it's almost like uh, kingdoms warring sometimes yeah. and you know you can look at that and you can say oh you know it's it's all very political it's people should be on the same side but actually a lot of it is perfectly understandable a lot of it is especially if you're trying to build something multi-asset yeah um, so of course they're going to have different organizations concentrating and focusing and building that deep knowledge in the different assets so it becomes very challenging to, to try and tie that all together you get often things come down from above and it's a big a big kind of initiative and there's various ways of dealing with it you know there's uh, I think what what we've often worked with is you have a single implementation team and everything goes through that implementation team and that can be a good way of kind of centralizing it and making sure that things are consistent because that's what you're really looking for especially in the UI you want, mm. you want that consistency yeah it's very difficult when you're pulling from all kinds of different areas and tailoring it, I guess, as well at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but there's the challenge there, of course, because if you if you allow each of these different groups to tailor it, you'll end up with something that doesn't feel cohesive and coherent. Yeah. So, like I said, I've worked in a few different models. You can you can bring it all through a, a central implementation team. You can, these days in particular, it's quite good to have a central UX team that are creating a design language that everybody then uses. Yeah. So this is, this is really good as well. When, when we can't do that kind of thing, we've started looking at some of the, some of the approaches out there now uh, that are more common, things like micro front ends. Um, but, but yeah, it's always a challenge. You know, if you've got a siloed, siloed organization, we can work there we can do great things but it is always a challenge and it's and that challenge is driven by each customer as you say individually and bespoke and tailored to yeah. them and and uh, i think that versatility and that ability to listen to the customer and provide the solutions based around what they're looking for has been probably fundamental to the growth of most companies in the space is that something which you've seen as well that, that, that that's worked for you over the last couple of years yeah i, de I definitely agree with that i suppose I've, i don't know if you probably come across conway's law yeah yeah yeah, that uh, software gets built. This the architecture of the software gets built yeah. that mimics the architecture of the organisation. So in some ways, it's a it's a, a big challenge because you have to make your software work 
even in this, even in these situations where you've got a, a complicated organisation, yeah. you don't want the software to end up complicated. But in some ways, software itself can be something that provides the impetus for organisational restructuring as well. Yeah. And we see that as well sometimes that uh, customers need to change the way they think about how they're structured, or certainly banks need to change the way they think about how they're structured in order to create the best solution. Yeah. And the other the other thing we've seen exploding over the last couple of years has been sort of the, you know, the rise and rise of cloud and managed services. You know, cloud's obviously been growing for a, for a long time, but it's you know, I guess its real adoption has been gaslighted over the last couple of years, where where people have needed to you know adapt to it a little bit more. Managed services again, something people mm. have moved you know, moved into with with greater vigor than ever before over the last couple of years. I know you guys are entrenched in that space as well. Tell us a little bit about Kaplan and and uh, yeah, cloud and managed service. Yeah, I suppose the thing that for me is particularly exciting about what we're doing in managed services is. Not just, yes, customers are, are very interested in you know, cost savings, obviously, but it's also things like aligning our incentives more. So since we've started doing managed services, we've created all kinds of tools that make our deployments much easier, that make uh, diagnosing problems much easier and quicker, um, these kinds of things, measuring uptime. And this stuff was always useful. Before we started doing managed services, it was, it was the kind of thing that we, you know, we did our bit, here's the software, you deploy it, you work out how to manage it, we'll help you, of course, uh, because we're professional and we want you to succeed. Yeah. But this whole thing where we can now get economies of scale by creating tools that work across all of our deployments yeah. and make things faster and more efficient, that makes it better for us, it makes things better for our customers. Yeah. And also, um, something I'm very keen on is that we, when we make improvements, at the moment, it's often quite a slow process to get those improvements, those upgrades out to the, the end users because if we create something and then we make a version, we release it, and then the customer has to integrate it and test it, and they might have all kinds of complicated windows in which they're allowed to push stuff and release stuff. And that can be really quite a long process. Yeah. In the cloud, where we have control over the, over the managed service, we're able to, to go through that process much quicker. We still have the testing, all of that kind of stuff, but it, it is much much quicker and more flexible for us and for our customers. And it's just, so it's that efficiency and that speed that mm. are driving the, uh, you know, the course, and I guess you know, the word that keeps on coming up over the last couple of years has been the, you know, the re reduction of friction, making the process easier and, mm. and, and more straightforward. I think it's interesting you talk about the ease of you know, both parts of that because you know, there's a lot of people who are talking about the speed and efficiency for the customer but also for you guys and, and being able to provide a much better solution is, is, a, is a real benefit to all of this as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when we create something, we want people using it. You know, we want people using the latest stuff. We don't want there to be loads of friction and making sure that that friction is now kind of our problem to solve and to fix. I think that's a that's a huge benefit and making sure that that when we make those improvements we can we can roll them out so quickly. Yeah. And and, and that's the beauty I think of everything that we're seeing at the moment. Within that there's obviously, you know, big scale teams behind it. And uh, I know your background as director of engineering is putting together you know, good and, and efficient teams and making them as efficient as possible within that too. Talk to me about organising teams with, with so many different things yeah. and so many different uh, challenges and opportunities and, 
and in, well, I guess innovation going back to that word, that word so many different areas of things to get in to organize teams into various different areas tell us about some of the challenges opportunities yeah. successes you've seen in that space I think well to start with innovation I think the natural state of a kind of skilled interesting engineer and you know we look for skilled interesting engineers when we're when we're hiring the natural state for them is to be innovative yeah and there it's it's relatively hard to kind of squash that out of them so I think um, I think when companies are worried that they feel like they're not being innovative enough I think probably what's happening is either their engineering team is so stressed that they can't indulge their natural instinct for innovation or they are secretly being innovative and nobody's noticing yeah I definitely saw that in in some large organizations that I've been in where I've seen people doing all kinds of crazy interesting out there innovative work that would have real business value and it just being completely ignored yeah so I think I think that's the key that first of all you hire the right people they're going to be doing innovative stuff whether you even really want them to or not yeah uh, so there's just there's just kind of innovation bubbling the whole time I mean there's there's things you can do to encourage it one of the main ways that you encourage it is obviously you hire for it you value it these kinds of things I think showing that you value it and that you provide time for it and that all through the management chain you know we're looking for these ideas and we're using them we have all kinds of things in our products that started as uh, dev days yeah we have well we call them self-directed project days now okay we want to make sure <laughs> that people understand it's not just for developers yeah yeah we have every four weeks we have a Friday set aside do something and it's self-directed and as I say you know interesting smart people will be doing innovation in those days this is this is sort of like Google's 20% time stuff right yeah. and I know that they've, they've sort of uh, you know pioneered that or, or certainly taken credit for, for that sort of thing but it's about putting people in there and I love the fact that what you just said there this isn't just about developers this is about everyone having ideas that can can drive business further forward and I think a lot of the most innovative companies that I've seen over the last couple of years have given that sort of um, trust and, and control mm. and opportunity out to hire clever people, get out of their way as the old as the old things, and say, yeah. let's see what we can create. And there's some really brilliant examples of that both, you know, that, that come through businesses that I've been speaking to. Talk to us about how it's worked for you guys, the tangible things, because I think it's a nice thing to do to attract good people into the business. But is it actually bringing you know that genuine innovation to it, which is usable as well, and and, uh, and, uh, and yeah. making an impact to customers? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, for example, uh, one of the recent ones was our core messaging server, Liberator, which is it's written in C, very high performance. Um, one of the recent dev days was uh, it was taken and ported to ARM architecture, which, since all the cloud providers are starting to provide ARM servers high performance, much cheaper. Uh, I mean, we think this is gonna be really, really valuable for us. Yeah, yeah. I can go back, uh, even back years ago when I was a, a developer, we were doing this, although perhaps less uh, less strictly. It, actually, it was, a, it was a hack day, which is okay. slightly yeah, different yeah. for us. The evolution um, of the hack day we're talking. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's not just that. We have, we have our, our self-directed project days, yeah. uh, and then every six months, we also do a hack day, which is a little bit more competitive, there are prizes, these kinds of things. So for one of those, we did, back then, we, we, I, don't know, I don't know if you were sort of aware of this kind of web streaming technology stuff, but yeah, back yeah. then it was Comet and Ajax yeah, yeah, and these yeah, yeah. kinds of things. And WebSockets was a kind of brand new thing. You know, these days, 
almost everything we do is WebSockets. Yeah. Well, underneath, it's using WebSockets. Uh, but yeah, so the first switch to using WebSockets was done on a, on a hack day. I love that. And I think this is so so brilliant because this, this sort of feeds into something I'm really passionate about. You, know, you, you mentioned it before about hiring good people and, and uh, you know, breeding that sort of sense of innovation from having good people around it. We also know, as we were talking about beforehand, that this has never been a more competitive space. Everyone is looking for smart, I think you said smart, interesting people, didn't you? Yeah. As the, uh, you know, in, a, in an understaffed sector mm. uh, where there is a, a you know, overcoined term, but the war for talent at, at the moment, companies are going out there to say, look, let's, let's get that employer value proposition out there. Let's look at why we're a great place to work. Now, I've known Kaplan for, you know, for a long, long time. And within that, it's always been seen as a great place to work. You, you guys have traditionally been very, very good at hiring and retaining really strong talent in the space and returning really yes, strong exactly. talent in the space as well. So t tell me a little bit about how you're nurturing that. You know, engineering talent being such a premium at the moment, what does make it a great place to work? Um, you know, and, and, and look, that, that sort of ability to influence and impact, I know is a massive thing, the autonomy there to go out there and have a real impact on things that are happening out there in the marketplace and having a real impact to customers and solving really interesting problems, I think it's a fascinating place to start. But tell me a little bit about that, that, that story and, and, and how, you're, how you're attracting great talent at the moment. Yeah, so, I mean, you're absolutely right. You, you've got to have a base of providing interesting work, yeah. otherwise you're never going to get the people. The other thing is, of course, it's a, it's a self-reinforcing cycle. If you have interesting people, interesting people want to come and work. Yeah, yeah, good people um, know good people. Exactly. Yeah. So, so there is all that aspect, but then there's there's other stuff as well, and I think particularly you know in uh, in these kinds of lockdown times, it has been a challenge to try to keep up the the culture and awareness of um, of how the whole company is supporting you and uh, looking to give you opportunities. So, I think the kind of social aspect has been has been challenging for us over over lockdown. We've yeah. had had events. We do, you know, we have a, a company stand-up every week, these kinds of things. Um, but I do think that one of the things, I know when you spoke to Steve, yeah. he talked about how we'd reorganised, just shortly before lockdown, actually. Yeah. We'd reorganised around small teams that stayed together. And I do think that's been massively important for our success in looking after people. The way I think of things is, you know, the team is the unit of success. It's not really individuals, it's, it's a team, it's a strong team. And the team reinforces and supports itself and each other. And we've, we've given each team quite a bit of autonomy. So as you were saying, you know, it's not just autonomy around having times when you can push your ideas forward to yourself, but it's also things around you know, telling the teams, here's your budget, do some interesting team events together. Mm. These kinds of things, build those relationships. And within within those, you're right because you know it's it's been difficult, hasn't it? Creating that sort of you know culture is so important to to, you know, to to any business, and I think certain companies really got that right over the last couple of years about how they've maintained that sort of uh, you know the vision, the messaging, the communication, and such like. And certain companies have sort of almost gone backwards into a shell and, and had you know silos, effectively you know, individuals working for a business, and and uh, and I think you know we've. we've there's a, there's a very common terminology at the moment about the great resignation as things start you know go back to normal and we're going to see an exodus of businesses but i think those kind of, of you know for, of people in businesses i think what we're seeing is companies now who are starting to look at and have thought about that all the way through the process and are, are going to get you know far more buy-in and loyalty 
from having made sure that they've been looking after their people all the way through that. I know that's something you guys have put a big premium on as well, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the things about loyalty is that having a company that is loyal to you mm. creates loyalty in the in the worker. And that was, that was true for me. I yeah. told you when I first joined Kaplan, I was, this is a couple of months, I'm gonna go do my masters. I did, I still went and did my masters. Yeah. But when I went and did my masters, Kaplan said, look, whatever hours you can do while you're doing your masters, we'll, we'll pay you to do, come and do them. Amazing. And that, of course, that, that was why I stayed eight years, you know, yeah. because despite only expecting it to be three months. Yeah. Um, because I, I appreciated that trust and, um, and opportunity that that gave me. And I think as we give people flexibility, as we understand where they're at, we've got, um, somebody who's who's moved for a year to i think thailand okay uh, making use of the flexibility with that we we've given them yeah, yeah um i'm sure that stuff breeds loyalty and and with regards to that your your sort of comeback um and uh, going through what what prompted that to, to happen i mean obviously you've left there and it uh, you're out for what three four years or so i think was it oh it was oh I'd, I'd have to work it out. It was a couple of, yeah. year, couple of years at Improbable, then a few years at, yeah. at Deutsche Bank. So it was probably about six years. So, so out for a little bit. What, what was the draw? What, what, what persuaded you to say that this is where, uh, where I'm coming home? It's a bit, well, so as always with these kinds of situations, there are a lot of factors. One of the factors is, was just that I knew the people. I knew that uh, it was a, a place where work was respected, people were respected. Uh, interesting people work there on interesting mm. problems. So obviously that was a huge draw. Um, the other thing was that I felt that given the situation, as as we talked about during the, the kind of interview process, I thought this is a place where I can I can help, I can make a difference. Mm. So I think that was a big a big draw as well. Yeah, that, that again it goes back to that magic thing, doesn't it, of making a difference and being able to move forward in, in interesting problems that are making a difference to the wider economy as well. So, so look, there's lots of exciting things happening for the team at the moment. There's lots of good people who are working together to uh, to point in the direction of, of growth and opportunity for the business. What's what's exciting? What comes up for for Kaplan? Yeah, well, there's a there's a lot of really interesting opportunities. A lot of the things um, that we want to do are around being a really good partner to our, to our clients, making sure that they're able to do. We talked about innovation. We want to make sure that. Uh, the companies that work with us are able to to kind of realize their dreams when we understand how difficult that is often in those kinds of situations uh, but we can provide that extra help uh, that i think people need so so there's that aspect there's all kinds of interesting things technically as well happening around uh, working out the best way for us to to build applications uh, a, lot, a lot of new technology around at the moment mm -hmm. um, these kinds of things. And who should, you know, when you're looking at this and, and expanding that team, what sort of people are you looking to bring on board? How do you, you, know, you I know you say smart and interesting, yeah. but what does that look like and, and who should be reaching out to you? So, I mean, we often have rules open, but we are, we're looking for people who are, yes, smart. And I think the interesting thing is, is interesting, right? Because it isn't just purely about uh, technical skill. It's also, Again, if it comes back to innovation. Innovation so often comes from these kinds of interesting ideas that get fertilized from elsewhere. Yeah. So we want people to have that kind of 
intellectual curiosity in a wide area. Yeah. Uh, it makes the workplace more interesting, okay. but it also provides those kind of extra, extra ideas for, for innovation to spark. Um, so yes, definitely people like that. Partly because of the, of the kind of structure of the teams with these small teams that are um, as far as possible uh, cross stack. It is nice if to have individuals who are, are keen to explore across the whole stack, add value wherever the, the value needs to be added. You know, this was certainly my experience as a developer at Kaplan. I was valuable when I only really knew one thing, but then once I'd learned the whole stack, I was so much more valuable. And it wasn't just about value to the business, although it was that. Yeah. It was also in, uh, in hack days, in dev days, I could take an idea and I could run with it and create it. And that's actually the whole point of cross-stack teams. It's yeah. not really, oh, we want them to be cross-stack because that's just a good thing. It's that the team needs to be able to deliver. And if the team needs to wait on other teams because it's they don't have the specific skill and some other package has got to be updated and things have got to be changed, everything just slows down, grinds to a halt, takes ages. Sometimes, you know, you, you come across these crazy stories of changes that would literally require 15 minutes taking weeks. Yeah. This hasn't happened to me at Kaplan, but I've seen <laughs> it happen in other places. Um, so that's why teams need to be cross-stack, because anything else becomes much more, um, just so much more friction. Yeah. So when we when we hire people we're looking for people who can and this is another thing that's worked really well with the teams we now have teams we're hiring people into teams that are stable we have more of a sense of what kinds of skills will round out that team yeah the full stack engineer is someone to us that we we really want to attract yeah they, they fit so well into our teams um, if somebody is looking for interesting work they aren't, so this is, this is part of it, right? That the, a strong engineer, a strong developer, isn't really somebody who's like learned jQuery to yeah. <laughs> call back to, to such a level that that's all they can do and yeah. then they're stuck yeah. you know, when, when the industry moves on. It's somebody who understands code, who can code, who can solve problems with code, and they can work in all kinds of different frameworks and languages. That's the kind of person we're looking for yeah. that, that isn't kind of hung up on one particular technology yeah. or language. It's somebody who who loves learning and who will apply the technology. I think you're absolutely right. It's those, those people who are wedded to one particular way of doing things, I think is, is, is um, you know, it's one dimensional in terms of their future as much as anything mm. else, right? If you're, you're there in your pigeonhole, and we see this quite a lot in, you know, in enterprise, major enterprise end user organizations where you have people there who are very, very good at what they know but they're pigeonholed then into what they can be and who, where they can come. And I think you know, with businesses like yours, you've got that diversity of thought, diversity of thinking. You've got people there who are able to get themselves into loads of different areas, which makes them really attractive, not only for, for today, but also for their career. Because look, we're the custodians of people for however long they're with that business. We want to make sure that they go in a better spot to move on and, and develop their career. Hopefully it's with you know, your organization forever, but you want to improve people to move into it. And that's where I think retention sits as well at the same time. Um, and it's been fantastic talking to you. Thanks so much for, for sharing all of it. For, for people who are, who are out there, who should be talking to you guys at the moment? Who, yeah, from a client side, from a person who wants to join you, who, who should reach out and what's the best way of them to get in touch with you? There's always the website, kaplan.com. Anyone remotely interested in uh, financial trading systems through the web, through mobile, 
they should definitely be talking to us. Uh, anyone interested in a job, uh, definitely let us know. Um, you can email me, adam.eiley at kaplan.com, or as I say, uh, positions are available on the on the kaplan.com website. Fantastic. We'll take you in on all of the uh, LinkedIn Thanks. stuff that goes out. And it's been brilliant having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you all for watching. We will see you soon on another episode of FinTech Focus TV. Thanks a lot.